As the international break continues for Major League Soccer, we've got some time to look back at the first half of the year for this New York Red Bull team and look ahead to what will be a very busy month of July and upcoming summer. It's Red Bull head coach Chris Armis joining us for our monthly podcast on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Coaches Show with Chris Ormus on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. It is a month of June that is filled with soccer. It does seem to feel a little bit strange that there's not a whole lot of Major League Soccer activity to talk about. But as we are here on our New York Red Bulls Radio Network, our monthly podcast, it is our Coaches Show with the head coach, Chris Armis, who I say a very good morning to here. And uh, Coach, it, it is kind of interesting, right, with this, with this talk of the summer of soccer with so much activity going on between the Gold Cup, the Women's World Cup, the U-20s that just finished up, Copa America that's taking place. There's not really a whole lot of Major League Soccer activity, uh, which is kind of interesting because everybody gets a little bit of a bit of a break, but there's still so much soccer activity going on. Yeah, listen, for for the soccer nuts like us, it's great to put the – television on at any point in the day right now and you can catch some really interesting games and by that I just mean uh, these these uh, tournament set up uh, games where every every game there's so much on the line World Cups that come every four years Copa America Gold Cup like you said and then even last night single elimination with the Open Cup uh, really interesting uh these days you know as we always do on our on our coaches podcast we'll look back a little bit then we'll spend some time looking ahead to what will be an extremely busy month of july but you know coach as you kind of look at it right now uh the the last regular season game that took place was that game in philadelphia um which doesn't officially close the first half of the season because new york will do that when they take on chicago on the 28th when you guys get back from the international break. But it does seem to be a, a pretty natural time to maybe think of and talk about where this team is at through the first half of the season, the, the good, uh, maybe the bad things to work on, some positives and some negatives. Yeah, it, it's um, – I think we're at a really good place right now because, you know, on, we, we, we oftentimes talk about – What's really important um, to our team is what we discuss on the inside, because on the outside, there, there's always uh, critics and there's always people who have opinions, which that's part of the business. But um, we, we we talk about what's real and what matters, and um, you know, there's so many things teams go through. The teams come together, new players. Um, who do you who'd you miss from last year? Who would you add to the team? And then and then you, you get going. And then there's Champions League and there's there's some ups for sure and some downs in that competition. And then yeah, we don't get all the results early, but so there's a lot of talk and, and but all, all throughout, I mean we're we're coming together. The team's coming together. And um I think we can see that in the last couple of months that defensively we're we're not giving up a lot. You know, recently, 
There's a couple of individual breakdowns, but as a unit, we're defending very well. There's an, even an interesting uh, graphic that comes out yesterday about which team is the best pressing team in the league. And you see this, the stats show that defensively we're playing the way we want. Teams are bot trying to bypass our press. Half the teams we play against aren't letting us do it, and we're still um, pretty comfortably the, the, the team that its most evident presses really well. So we're, we're, we're sticking to who we are. We've gotten some good results. And with the toughest part of the season coming up, we've, we've gotten to know our team and collectively and individually pretty well. So I want to jump on something that you just said there. You're obviously referring to things earlier in the season when you tried out some different tactics, some different alignments, some different formations, maybe some different players in some different spots. When things were were in that particular situation and, and maybe um, there was a little bit more down than there was up over the course of the beginning of the season as opposed to later uh, in the year before this break, how difficult was it to, to keep – everybody on the same page and say, listen, we are using this time as maybe a little bit of, of experimentation and we want to see how guys maybe perform in different um, formations and different tactics rather than just saying, okay, we're just going to go out and we're going to try and do the same thing, but we're never maybe going to really be able to know what else we can do um, early in the season. Well, there's a lot that goes into, into why we would change a formation or – you know, a, a strategy on the day of all-out pressing or sitting back deeper. I think the, the the comment that I referred to is, you know, at times when 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 we don't step up all the way to press. So why, like in the, let's call it the Atlanta series last year, you know, we knew that they were going to play very direct, uh, which we were right. So the question becomes on days like that is. If you know that they're going to stretch you behind with balls behind, like Chicago did this year, Orlando, Montreal, uh, you know, what do you do on those days? Do you commit six, seven numbers forward, knowing they're going to bypass your pressure? Because that doesn't make a total a lot of sense. Because then now you have seven guys out of the picture with one pass. So that's been a little bit of the discussion at times. Like, hey, well, even from in Major League Soccer, some of the, the analysts, you know, that looks like the Red Bulls of old, they'll say, on a day that we play, let's say, LA Galaxy, who really are built on possession. On those days, we're able to press a bit more because they're trying to build out of the back. So on some days, some of the people watching our team might say, why aren't the Red Bulls pressing? Why? And the answer is because the other team's not letting us. We want to press. We want to counter press. We want to play up the field as the statistics show. But you can't always do it if the teams aren't going to let you do it. So why is why are they tinkering? Why don't the Red Bulls stick to who they are? It's For us, it's pretty basic. But on the outside, sometimes I don't think it's understood exactly why. But um, I do think we can see that uh, we've spent a lot of time in, a, in, in developing our defensive shape in a mid-block and we really got to put it to use against Atlanta United this year down on our We played it a 4-4-1. And over the course of 90 minutes, Atlanta had two shots on goal. So at that time, they hadn't lost in a month and a half. They came into our building, and they're, they're up a man, and they couldn't even get a sniff at goal. 
and it just didn't happen. We didn't just bunker in. We actually just got into our mid block and, and applied all the principles that we had been working at this year in a mid block. So to, to the other part of your, your uh, question there, Matt, is that, yeah, I mean, certain games we want to apply some different pressing strategies. So sometimes a 4-1-4-1, like Columbus having Vincent Bezicourt and Florian Vallo. In the in the number ten positions with one six, we've had we had Kamar Lawrence out for five months. We had Aaron Long injury. We had get different guys. Bradley Wright Phillips out. We lost Tyler Adams. There's so it was so. Um, Kaku was suspended a few games. You had a bunch of these little factors that, on the days, you ask yourself what gives us the best chance to win. So we've had to uh, experiment with some different formations and tactics along the way. Red Bull head coach Chris Armas joining us on our monthly podcast on the New York Red Bulls radio network. We uh, have three of these that we run during the course of each month. Steve Jolly and I spend some time, what we call Inside the Booth, our players-only podcast, Kicking It, which we'll do over the course of the uh, next week or so and get another one of those in before the Red Bulls will heat up in June. Next regular season game on the 28th against Chicago and then a really busy month of July. Coach and I will spend some time talking about that in our second segment. Uh, Chris, think about the the way that this team had played up until, I want to say, the Philadelphia game. You come off that great win over Real Salt Lake, a dominant win at home before going to Philadelphia, going up 2 to nothing, going into the international break. It, it was almost like going into halftime. I, I would have to think perfect situation. We're going to be able to get minimum a point on the road against the team that's leading the Eastern Conference, um, yet yet there was a lot of, uh, I will say, disappointment walking out of that game, and probably, if you think about it, not not the best way to go into that international break, um, ha- having let that game, in, in a way, kind of get away and, and, and wind up with a 3-2 loss. No, we, we felt like we left all three points on the table there. Really disappointing uh, feeling in our locker room after that match. Um, and, and nothing caught us by surprise. Nothing that Philadelphia did in terms of the tactic, in terms of uh, them being more of a pressing team this year. We thought uh, two teams going at it that we we quickly got a grasp of that game and scored a couple of really good goals in transition the way we thought we could. And then at halftime, we talked about a few different things. One being keeping the foot foot on the pedal. One thing was, you know, when, not if, but when they bring Il Sino in, we know what he's about. He's crafty. He likes to go to his right. He's got explosives, got that little move we talked about. Um, and then naturally, Philly made a push. And when you really look at it, in that game, we, we miss a couple of chances to, to get the third. There's a... a you know, Blake stands up tall on one. We miss a breakaway. He makes a save down to his left on Danny Royer. There's a few really big chances, but in in our minds, though, two two goals would have been enough at halftime. And Ilsenio, and 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 you can look at the goals um, and, and say we could do better at not not just uh, you know he's on on the side with um, Connor Laid, Danny uh, Royer. Sean Nealis, because Amro Tarek had to go off at halftime. And you say, yeah, those are plays we could do better with. We could, it starts with losing uh, the ball on a few of those plays. And then how do we defend those plays collectively? 
So when you look at it, it's it's not that you know. Sometimes you, you don't win a game. You say, "All right, listen, our our, our good stuff wasn't good enough," and then it feels really bad. Um, but on that day, we we thought we were pretty good, and then to individually, one guy comes in and, and might have a career game. He probably had a career game. Gets the goal and assist, a pe- penalty, like uh, that. That's why it felt so bad because we we thought we really had a grasp a well-deserved grasp on the game. When you think of it then, uh, Coach, and then and then you turn around and you've got the, the, I'll say, unfortunate, unlucky schedule that the Open Cup game is just a couple of days later. Uh, New England comes down, you play at Montclair State, and I'm sure everyone walking out of that Philadelphia game is thinking, let's rebound, let's put this back together on Tuesday night when New England does come down here and at very minimum put to bed that Philadelphia game the New England game is is a curious game as well when you kind of look at how that that game itself played out. Yeah, if you if you would have told me that it could be uh, even more disappointing, well, this is because this is a, a a major trophy on the line. We get the game at home, um, and and we get to play obviously Montclair State. So. Um, we thought it would be a nice opportunity to to get uh, be in that in that building in that field where yeah well it's it'd be good energy um, we don't have to travel some of the guys that we would have been starting on the night uh, would have played on that field before Christian Costers uh, Reese Buckmaster um, yeah and, and and it's a strange one because we give up such an early goal imagine all the things you talk about in, in the locker room and preparation, having a good start, defining what that means. We go down one, nothing on a deflection, um, which no big deal, right? We, we know we we're, we're okay, but we, we, we push hard, we get back and we felt more in control of that game than even the Philadelphia game. And at two to one with, with uh, five minutes to go, Reese Buckmaster signals that he has to come off. And we feel like we're, in, again, really comfortable in the match. We've taken away spaces. We're controlling spaces. We're limiting what they could do. And uh, Bunbury is having a – he's the one guy giving us trouble on the night. He's the one guy, if anything, uh, it looks like he's the guy that in transition moments can, can maybe hurt you. But um, – Sure enough, we we give away a, a pass uh, in the middle of the field with three minutes to go in regulation, and uh, we get beat with a ball behind when Teal Bunbury runs behind our back line. Again, it, it, it's it's not like they they score on a bicycle kick from the top of the box. They score on a wet, like one of the few ways we say, "Hey guys, when there's no pressure on the ball, drop off." Looks like they're gonna just try to play direct, which is exactly what they did, and. Again, you, 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 do you credit Teal Bunbury on the play? He makes a really good play, um, gets behind, and of course we go to overtime, and the, the energy was was very good at, at the end of regulation with a lot of belief, not from even what I can instill in the guys, but what they're feeling. They're, they're the ones out there thinking, all right, guys, we got this. And then uh, we go up a man, and we're – we decide, uh, of course, to bring in Kaku straight away. A little risky because that was our last sub, but we we uh, let's go for this. Let's go for it. Let's be let's be aggressive. We bring in Kaku. 
Imagine we have Kaku, Danny Royer, and Shikovsky as our three subs to lock out the game. Um, of course, we give up the late goal. Then we go to overtime. And uh, one of the things we talk about is <clears throat> is playing forward, especially, uh, you know, you can. one of the ways you get hurt sometimes is back passes you know, when you don't need to. So we have a back pass in the middle of the field. They, Teal Bunbury picks it off, and he scores a wonder goal. So... It, it hurts because, you know, you think Il Sino has a, a big night. Teal Bunbury has a huge night where we could defend better on every one of the goals. Um, so now you, you, you're left feeling pretty bad going into the break because, one, you're out of the Open Cup. Two, you lose a big game to Philly. And then still, I think the positive with all that is that the guys, the guys showed up. In those games, the guys showed up. They really did. And if you took out a couple of these little plays that these a little bit random, like you walk away from there, one, winning, but taking another step forward. So, you know, it's, it's, it is frustrating. You got to keep perspective on things and you have to know that uh, against a couple of good teams uh, that we, we thought we were the better team in both those matches, just, just we, we didn't do well enough. A recap of what has been for the New York Red Bulls over the course of the last couple of weeks. After this quick timeout, we will look ahead to what is coming up for this New York Red Bull team uh, with a game looming on the 28th of June with Chicago and some real big games during the course of the month of July. We'll talk about the uh, U.S. men's national team and some of the New, the New York Red Bull players that are off right now playing with their respective nations in the Gold Cup. We'll do that right after this quick break. Stick around. Matt Horman, Chris Arm is coming back on the other side of this quick timeout on the the New York Red Bulls radio network. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. We're back here on our June monthly podcast. I'm Matt Harmon with Red Bull head coach Chris Armis. Just spent some time going through the first kind of part of the year for the New York Red Bulls with game number 17 coming up uh, at the end of this month, June 28th. It'll be the Chicago Fire that will come into town. And, you know, Coach, as you look at the Eastern Conference right now, uh, it's a top six. It's Philadelphia, Montreal, D.C., Atlanta, New York, New York City, and then Toronto in the seventh spot right now. Um, it, it, it's a Chicago team that had success the the went the time earlier when when you and they had played um, in Illinois, and you'd have to think it's a Chicago team that realizing obviously there's a lot of season left, but um, can they pick up some points on the road? They haven't won a game so far in in eight tries, um, and, and a New York Red Bull team that will will try in a race as you and I were just talking about some some of those games leading into the break, the New England game and the Philadelphia game. Yeah, look, it's we'll be facing a team that. Um, you know, they beat us at their place 1-0 this year. They're desperate, haven't won in a bunch of games. They're still a team that they've been able to score. They've been able to, you know, they're plus one goal differential. They're, you know, it's, it's kind of right in the balance with them. Games have been tight for them. Um, you know, despite only four wins, they got six ties. They're, they're in every game because they, 
They defend rather well, um, and they always get up for us, and they always have a plan against us. Now, the last time we played against them, it was interesting because they, they're they a possession-based team, and they just completely bailed on their normal philosophy, style of play, their normal tactics even. Um, and they went complete long ball, which it's kind of what I was alluding to earlier, that they teams are, are bypassing our pressure, and it's just not easy. So on that day, Schweinsteiger, Dax McCarty, um, these guys were, who are typically known for possession and, and football, and those guys were leading the way with, with those those balls behind and, and direct play. Um, like on the day, they were 28% long balls, and to put it in perspective – you know, they're probably normally 11 or 12% long. Teams in general in the league, you know, like an LAFC, 8% long, you know. So to go to 28% long, 31% in the second half alone, it, it just puts things, it makes things like uh, if you brought in a college team and all they did every single time was bomb the ball behind your back line uh, and they have some fast guys up the field, you're like, it's, you, you see how quickly, that that's not easy to deal with. That's not – you don't really see this in Europe. You don't see this in South America. You don't see this in Champions League. You don't see this tactic being uh, employed by teams, yet we're facing that. And then ask Aaron Long, Tim Parker, Amro Ture, uh, Sean Davis, the holding midfielders, and Luis Robles. Like, how, how does that feel when teams do that? And you say, yeah, it's challenging. It's challenging. So might Chicago come in with a, a similar game plan? Maybe. Um, and for the most part, we, we took care of it that day at their place. We just didn't we didn't play great. We did we could have played even better. Um, and of course, they end up scoring a goal on a long ball from midfield that we let bounce in our 18 yard box, and uh, it was a bit of a almost like an own goal. So we'll we'll be ready for a direct play and a combative game. You know, I remember uh, Coach talking in April about how important the month of May would be. And, and, I, and I understand every month is important. Every game is important because there's always points out there that you want to try and grab. But, man, when you look at July um, with six games during the course of the month, you've got two games where you've got those, those three in a week and a lot of interesting games on the road. And the games that are at home won't be easy either. But at Houston, at Atlanta, home for New York City, at Toronto, at Orlando, and home for Columbus, that's a that's a pretty brutal type of month for any team to deal with in Major League Soccer. Yeah, look, it's when when I look at that um, that that stretches. Yeah, there's one. I mean. You can you can even keep going to you know when you think that one there's just no easy games in our league, and then when you start to say that the home the the home games are Chicago, New York City, Columbus, Toronto, and then you can keep going to New England. Uh, you know the meaning the next one will be New England at home, and then the away games. So if those are the ones you definitely want to win, right? And you talk about that you have to go to Houston, uh, which is a tough one, at Atlanta, which should be a lot of fun, and of course at Toronto and then Orlando and LAFC, uh, finished off by DC United at their place, and then Yankee Stadium. I mean, listen, what you realize is uh, one, 
there's no easy games. And two, um, you take one game at a time. There's there's a lot of fun games in there. There's a lot of there's two derby matches. There's uh, DC United in there at some point. Atlanta. There's going to be a lot of games that uh, these are the ones that you want to play. These are the ones we'll look at it as opportunity, opportunity to to, to keep coming together as a team that we get tested physically, tactically, the whole bit. Um, opportunity to gain points against Eastern Conference rivals. So there's a lot of Eastern Conference games in there. Most of them are. So these games excite us. They'll, they'll, they don't scare us. We, we can beat anyone in the league, um, starting with, with uh, the, the want to kick it off the right way against Chicago. When you think about this time for Major League Soccer over the course of the the international break um, with the Gold Cup and with Copa America down in in South America, um, is it challenging at all? I mean, listen, I know there's not necessarily any games to worry about, but when you do come back on on the 28th and even maybe those first couple of games in July, Houston and Atlanta, you're not, as of right now, when we're talking midweek, um, you're not necessarily 100% sure who you might have for some of those games. Does that, does that make it challenging? Yeah, um, I would say that it does. Um, but as we've seen, it opens the door for other guys. But when you think about who's missing right now, right? And now we're a little bit, we're a little bit at, at the, uh, the mercy of the Gold Cup. And we want our guys all to do well. I mean, I'm, I'm watching last night Aaron Long. I'm watching uh, Murillo play. I used to watch Kamar Lawrence the other night. And, and, and I'm, I'm the biggest fans of those guys as they're going. And I want them to do well and get these experiences. But, you know, you have Kamar, Murillo, and Aaron Long. That's three of your, your four backline starters, let's say. And you don't know exactly when they're all coming back and, and – you, you want them to, to do well. You want them to, to get the experience, and you want them to stay healthy. So, the good thing that Aaron is healthy and he's playing, and, and that's that's a big positive. Um, yeah. So, uh, Wright Phillips is getting close. He's been in training, so that's another guy. Um, and yeah, look, it, it's 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 always hard when you when you when you're not sure. But we we do what we we can only do, which is focus on who we have. And like I said, when we think about Dallas, when we went there, that team hadn't lost at home all year uh, a month or so ago. And we went there and, and beat them, whatever it was, three to one. So we believe in our roster. We believe in the, the philosophy. We believe in our style of play that we, we can give teams trouble home and away. So we'll, we'll, we'll go for all those games. If I said to you, as as this 2019 Gold Cup is going on, if I said to you, do you still think about your days playing in the Gold Cup, the times that you did for the U.S. Uh, national team? I mean, you must have a, a, amazingly fond memories, having won it a couple of times and, and been part of it. Yeah, I do. I actually I did, I did a little speaking engagement at a school yesterday, and I was doing some reading for third and fourth graders, and I, I brought – a couple of the championship rings and a few items the kids would really get a kick out of. And I was going through some of the medals, even some was from the gold cup. Um, so it actually, that brought back my memory and then watching the, the, you know, seeing the gold cup underway and thinking back to some of the times we, um, when you, we played against Panama in the final at, at Giant Stadium and went to overtime and penalties and 
we won. But um, yeah, definitely sparked some really good memories. Seems like a really long time ago, though. To me, you know, it's uh, back in the day. Well, listen, sure. what, what do they say, uh, Coach? Nobody's getting any younger these days, right? Nobody's getting any younger. Yeah, that's it. Um, to, the one to, thing I'd say, Matt, is, is you know, there was talk about, you know, U.S. not being the favorite. And uh, for me, I, I don't I, – I look at it differently. I know that sometimes it's something to take pressure off of guys. But in the Gold Cup, in CONCACAF, of course there's Mexico right now that's strong. But, you know, with, with – with the games that are being played on our soil right now and in the, in the, in the later rounds, like I see us, we, I expect us to be in the final. I do, you know, and if we don't get there, so be it. But I think there's enough of us who, who've put on that Jersey, who've seen the, the players evolve, the tactics evolve, good coaches right now in place. Uh, and, and the success we've had in that tournament well, sure, that the Costa Ricas and the Jamaicas and everyone's coming along, but we've evolved too. So I don't know if you've heard that dialogue, but for me, as a guy that you know, you know, has been there, I expect us to be in the final and I expect us to put on a, a great performance. And of course, we, we want to win. Are we the favorites? You know, I'm not sure. Okay, you can talk about Mexico, but. I'm, I'm expecting us to, to get to the final. You know, it, it is interesting just to continue that and actually thinking back to um, our first segment, talking about obviously media that can be critical of, of coaches and how you go about it. I mean, uh, it, it, it's an interesting time for the U.S. men's national team, but it's also um, very challenging, you would think, for Greg Berhalter because he took over a program having just missed the World Cup, and now he's got to try and rebuild. And, and like any other coach, Coach, right, Chris. He, he wants to implement his own tactics, and he's got a lot. He's got a lot of players that he wants to look at. So if everything might not look pretty in the beginning, um, but but can you do that and get results along the way too? Well, the answer is you can, but it's not the most important objective straight away. You know, the, the, to play the the style of play that Greg uh, wants to play, it takes time. And it's possession-based. It's space in the field. There's, it's elaborate. Is there's designed movements based on timing and execution and quality. You have to get all that down. Get the right pieces in there. So some of these games, when you don't have Michael Bradley, when you don't have uh, Christian Pulisic, um, uh, Tyler Boyd, you know, the, the it, it's not so easy. So. And in that, you play against, you know, people get a little bit bent when we're playing. But you're playing against Venezuela, who's a good team. Chile, who's one of the better teams in the world. Yeah, they don't make it so easy normally. And now when you don't have your full team, that's another part of it. So, look, I, I think I think we'll see that, um, you know, there is a specific style. It's going to take time. But I also think that, and I've seen it, I've experienced it with Greg Berhalter. You know, at the at different moments when when it's all on the line, uh, he will he will change the the tactics on the day. Maybe to bypass some pressure. They've done it against us, so why wouldn't they do it uh, in a Gold Cup? Maybe against a good pressing team if they find if they meet one along the way. So, um, and listen, he's got the long term in mind. I'm sure that those guys, however much the, the the people on the outside think about them and their style of play and what's going to work. They're doing it 
for 10, 10 hours a day. They're thinking, how can we, you know, they've thought about it already. So they're thinking long-term, getting through CONCACAF in the, in the qualifying and the World Cup. The Gold Cup is, is preparation. You find out about players. You find out about which guys fit best. And it's just a – but, of course, the, you'll see. The momentum's going to pick up, and it's going to go we'll – be, we'll be trying to win the tournament, I'm sure. Coach, I want to finish with this one um, along the same lines as you thinking back to your days with the U.S. men's national team or even in Major League Soccer with the Galaxy, with the Chicago Fire. Um, you said it seems like a long time ago, and, and, and maybe that's the case for you, but how often do you relate lessons that you feel like you learned as a player to your current group of guys right now? Every day. Every day I'm, I'm, using my, I'm using my experiences to teach and to, you know, to relate with the players. So every day, I rarely, I rarely uh, compare. I rarely will, uh, you know, that's, they don't care about that. If I reference, well, when I was a player or, hey, but I do think but sometimes, I, you know, because of uh, I've been there and I understand what they're going through, um, that I can speak and teach in a way that they can learn. So I, I'm, I'm using my experiences all the time. And sometimes I actually, and I think they can feel that by the way I'm talking because they know that I know because of my experiences. But, and sometimes I can demonstrate because I can still do and execute certain things or whether it's something for Sean Davis backing away from a play with the ball to play forward or a, a, some type of defensive movement for a center back or even around the goal, um, calming down and, and instead of smashing a ball, maybe calming down, taking a touch and passing it to a corner. I can actually execute that still on the field. So, but it, it's, it comes, it's more powerful when I can talk about it with, with in a good way or show it in an actual clear way than actually say, hey, when I was a player. So I'm, I'm careful not to like, – they don't care when I was a player. I mean, I think they all know I was a player. And um, every once in a while, though, I'll touch on, on, on what it's like being out there because I was out there. And then it's more powerful than when I drop it uh, every once in a while to talk about winning or the playoff game or an MLS Cup final or a qualifier with the national team that, hey, guys, when I – this one day when I was at it, then I think it's more powerful. I, I fibbed a little bit. I thought of one last thing I want to ask you before I let you go, and that is during this international break, how important is it for coaches, players, staff, everybody to get an opportunity? You know, it, it is weird the way that the calendar works out. You get this, this almost three-week break in between – uh, regular season games, and I know that the, the Open Cup game, and if you're still in the tournament, that that kind of fills the gap a little bit. Um, but for guys that are not part of any of the teams that are playing right now in the different tournaments, they just get to get a little bit of time away from the game. How important is that? It's it's so it's so uh, well needed right now for our guys, um, physically, mentally, for the players. For the coaching staff, um, just to get away, just to get away, uh, to, to recharge. I think, um, of course, uh, yeah, the break became a little loose, uh, 
longer with what we lost in the Open Cup because we had to play this week. But it, it's it's uh, it, it's going to be. Uh, I think it'll pay pay off for us that 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 that, that everyone involved can just get away for a little bit. You'll see that we come back. The energy will be very high, guys. Uh, it's hard to quantify it, but their bodies get to regenerate. Their bodies get to heal a little bit on this downtime and not not uh, take such a beating. So um, we'll come back with with uh, um, good preparation. We'll come back with some some new ideas, even on, on some different things and some training sessions that I've thought about. And, and yeah, I'm using the time wisely too, to to get take a break, but then still. Uh, work towards what what that the next few weeks will look like well i'm looking forward to uh getting back up and going as well june 28th the new york red bulls will be back at home against the chicago fire uh to wind down officially the first half of the season and then get ready for a very busy month of july coaches always appreciate you giving us uh the time to to get this in each and every month um always a pleasure to talk to you and again look forward to seeing you in, in another week or so my pleasure, Matt. Thanks. Uh, thank you for having me, and, and thanks for all the listeners and, and support. And that is Red Bull head coach Chris Armis as we wrap up the June edition of our Coaches Podcast. Please be sure to rate, review, leave a comment on this or any and all of our podcasts that we do. Our technical advisor, Gordon Stevenson. Thanks, Chris Armis. Thank you, our audience. I'm Matt Harmon. You've been listening to the New York Red Bulls Radio Network.